Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one. The Fermi Paradox, written by Mr. Ducky78. The answer to the Fermi Paradox. The Fermi Paradox stipulates that there are billions of stars similar to our sun in the Milky Way, that with significant high probability, many of the suns will have Earth-like planets, and if using Earth as a reference point, some may even develop intelligent life. And with the sheer geological timescales involved, some species could have developed interstellar travel and completely explored the Milky Way. The paradox therefore states, where is the intelligent life? From a statistical standpoint, the galaxy would be brimming with potential life and the sheer amount of time allowing for even the sublight slow travel would allow any alien species to explore freely and completely conquer the galaxy given the time span available. Where are the others? Why can't we account any? Why can't they account us? Why is the sky so quiet and empty? Roughly 250 billion stars are in the Milky Way and no sapient soul amongst them. Blood. Bright blue blood and gore and stretched from one side of the 40 meter arena to the other. Simon glanced up from the baying cloud, euphoric in their bloodlust, screaming and screeching for more. The light grey tendrils that covered their mouths flapping from the exertion of the modified atmosphere. But with the blood rage ending and Simon's victorious, he felt the same thing he had always felt at the end of battle. Emptiness, tired, hollow. The ring around the arena was covered in cameras. Drones flitted around him the size of his palm, captured every dripping viscous mess as it pooled along the arena floor. Interspersed amongst the blood were chunkier bits of something that used to be a living sapient organism. Used to. The Zundarth were slightly above average, but utterly unremarkable compared to the millions of other species who were all at the interstellar stage. Unlike us, the sky was full of life, full of struggle, full of drama and political intrigue, full of war. But their reckoning, there joined the stage 12.6 billion years into the game, slower than some, faster than others. But the cruel reality of sublight travel alone hindered any one species from properly dominating the galaxy and limited spheres of influence by logistical reasons. It took time to build up the challenge to older races, but sure enough, the younger ones built up and they challenged them. The Zundarth were patient, brutal, cunning, and ruthless. Diplomatic traps were laid generations in advance. Insurgent forces were stoked with both allies and enemies, and one by one, system by system, Zundarth dominance was absolute. Partly luck, partly based on their brutalistic species' wide ideology. Even the ramshackle alliance brought to bear against the Zandarthians was too compromised and too fragile and ultimately too late. In a massive paradigm ship, the Zandarth Empire stretched from one end of the Milky Way to the other. All it took was a couple dozen million years. A brutal couple dozen million years. 
but it happened. The rage serum, the cocktail of psychoactive drugs, jacked aggression, and wanton lust for violence to uncontrollable levels in Simon. It replaced all possible emotions with anger and rage. Decision-making became instinctual. Empathy or higher-order thought non-existent or severely neutered with increasing dosages. Giving serotonin kicks only in response to giving into a committing at violence. The other contestant, the once human-sized green lizard thing, had also been given his own species-specific serum. Now he was spread across the arena by Simon's own hands. Rashes of memory in his horrific exploits filtered through the empty haze post-rage serum. But it was better not to dwell on it. It meant that it was less remembered and Simon didn't want to remember any of it. The Zondarth Federation, Kashan Darth and Kafan, controls about 90% of the Milky Way galaxy, the rest being uninhabitable due to various environmental concerns. With a rich history of conquest stretching back hundreds of millions of years, they control hundreds of millions of vassal species. Finding promising planets, they block off external communication and allow them to develop to a certain stage in spaceflight and advancement before rushing in and completely dominating them. There are hundreds of millions of seed planets, waiting for a species to become capable enough to reaching the stars and securing their bondage to the Zondarth Federation. Doing so allows them to control the species with a decent level of industry and capability without having to fear about struggle to control them as they are limited to a single planet and limited science. The vassal species then provide for the Zundarths. Their research and production is pooled amongst the Zundarth control, with each species providing a different avenue and viewpoint for research and a different strength that of the other species may miss or even might not even be capable of. The Zandarth people are as brutal as they are strategy for galactic dominance. It's part of their culture. Domination is only nature. They do love their blood sports, and what better than the annual interspecies gladiatorial championship? A massive tournament pitting a fighter from each vassal world televised back to their homeworld. The overlord of the vassal state would submit a single fighter of their governed species with more favor carried with the better the fighter does. The Zandarth year lasts roughly three Earth years, and throughout those three years, 88 million vassal state contenders in the middle weight class get cut down to a lone champion in 27 seconds. It started as an idle pleasure for the blue-gray tentacled ones, but the tradition held strong and every three soul years a fighter represents humanity fighting for prestige, for leniency from the Zendarthian overlords. Simon was selected from birth based on promising genetic markers from a pool of several thousand potential humans, trained and molded from a young age. Performing enhanced rage serums were normal. Indeed, every compatible species is usually given the serum to increase the entertainment factor. True genetic manipulation, however, was frowned upon. Well, the annual blood sport isn't the only demented portion of the Zundarth control. It was a determining factor for Simon's life. He was born on Earth, but he didn't remember a thing about it. He had spent his entire life aboard the governor's ship, Maleficent, Gamar Darfea Cassent. 
He fell into the usual melancholy as he limped into the medbay, supported by two flanking droids, which had already begun preliminary care and submitted himself for advanced surgery that he would require to be ready for the next round. His coach, Mr. Zinn, was already reviewing the fight of his portable screen, but Simon was in no condition to learn from the fight at the moment. All he could do was await the surgery to rebuild most of him anew while the coach reclined in the corner, all attention on the screen. Each vassal species is allowed, actually encouraged to innovate along their own scientific path of journey and discovery with relatively minimal interference, but plenty of observation and oversight by the Zandarth overlords. The goal... I find a branch that would grant Zandarth absolute control of the galaxy and allow propagation of even further galaxies abroad, vaster than light travel. Certain avenues are banned under threat of orbital bombardment and all species genocide. For example, certain levels of AI research, interacting or interfacing with the hyperspace plane too deeply, self-replicating nanomachines, severe genetic modification, etc., Species are allowed to develop, but their innovation and growth was stifled and controlled by the Zandarths for stability was the end goal. Contact with other spassal species was absolutely forbidden. Even the species who are deemed dead ends, unable to develop a scientific discoveries that others could reach with ease. These could serve their purpose as entertainment, or beasts of burden, or even as food for the more cruel Zandarthians who enjoyed the taste of sapient. Eventually, unless they proved their worth, genocide would be applied without mercy, and a new species would be given the chance to arise and prove their worth. Taken from a young age, not only did Simon not remember anything about Earth, but he couldn't even remember his mother's face. His thoughts always drifted away from the training that he had been given towards his time as a child. It was the best way to forget the more brutal aspects of recent fight, and since his life since childhood was training for fights, only thoughts of before being selected comforted Simon and offered him solace. The local anesthetic barely masked the pain as the entire shredded right arm had to be rebuilt. The claws from the last one were vicious. Conditioning since childhood and a couple augmentations actually made the pain pleasant, a disturbing and worrying result of the training even as his nerves burned while being rebuilt, he shrugged off the pain still lost deep in thought as he was still gripped in the after effects of the rage serum, replacing all positive emotions with rage and bloodlust tended to result in no emotions at all once the rage subsided. An empty melancholy is all that remained for several hours post-serum. Gritting his teeth and a freakish grin, Simon steeled himself for the coming hours of masochistic torture. Damaged left foot, right arm shredded into an unrecognizable mess of blood and sinew. Deep abdominal wound that likely blew apart his large intestines, possibly also raked through some of the other organs. Three deep claw marks across his face, one of which removed his left eye and the very least removed most of it. But he gave as good as he got and remembered a crippling grapple that tore off the left arm of the lizard thing, spilling the beginning of the end. There was also six minutes after the lizard had died where he began stomping and throwing the eviscerated remains around the room where the rage serum ran its course. The fights were always allowed to continue a little longer. It's where the ratings were. 
It's what the crowds truly wanted. Congratulations on achieving 6 to the 6th interstellar colonies with 10 to the power of 3 individuals. We are the Zandarth. We come in peace. We will begin diplomatic meetings shortly as we decelerate your system. The message was broadcast simultaneously to the colonies of Luna, Mars and Phobos, belt stations, Europa as well as Earth. Repeating and cycling through several languages, the source of the message appeared to be a void of space and a form of multiple locations both on, above and below the solar plane. Humanity was just in its infancy regarding interstellar growth, and yet the dozens of major space stations and hundreds of various ships were nothing compared to the moon-sized capital ship that was deaccelerating towards Earth. Its tonnage alone was more than all of the humanity's space works put together. Sinuous, sleek, deadly, its exotic material hull would warp and change to absorb or reflect various radiation. Its hull was completely undetected, lying amongst the old cloud. It took a while for the ship to finally reach Earth, and humanity held its collective breath, eager to begin the talks with the first aliens that they had encountered, and having prepared some military surprises in case of hostilities. This is Diplomatic Survey Vessel 318846 Yellow. Colonies designated for Phobos and 5 Europa have been destroyed as of them. Now, you may not expand beyond three colony locations permitted. One Earth, two Luna, three Mars. Space stations will be monitored and regulated. You are now a vassal species of the Zandarth Empire. Your new governor, Kajal Khan Padar Sane, would now begin diplomacy with you. The rules will be laid out and followed. This has been a message from the Zondarth Empire and the Kashan Darthun Kafun. There were eight other survey vessels of similar size and shape that had been cloaked throughout the system. Several other orbitals and space stations were destroyed, and with the threat of complete genocide pressuring humanity, there was nothing to be done but kneel. The few attempts at launching nuclear warheads were shut down mere seconds after launch. Neutralized a kilometer or two above launch level by unknown means, followed by a kinetic strike cleaning off a population center nearby as retribution. Geopolitical lines were ignored when a kinetic strike removed Toronto from existence despite the nuclear missile being fired from U.S. soil. The struggle was over before it ever properly began. Nineteen nuclear missiles launched and twenty-one major cities turned craters was the end effect of the war. The final missile launch reduced three cities to nothing instead of the usual one, and the futility of existence broke humanity on that day. A single ship above Earth brought humanity down, and eight others spread throughout the solar system, some cloaked, some uncloaked, to project their influence. Simon had done well, passing the round 19 earlier. Twenty rounds out of 27 put humanity in absolute top of the vassal states and increasing not just demand and value of human slaves everywhere, but likely increased wealth up to Earth. The top 168 out of 88 million weighed vassal species, even going 10 rounds is considered an accomplishment with many species who might be physically capable, but not psychologically capable falling into the earlier rounds despite winning them. Indeed, Simon got by in the 3rd, 7th and 8th rounds when the opponent was catatonic and unable to participate. The 8th round were oversized gopher with a euthanized by four large bear-like creatures on stage. The show must go on after all. 
But Simon is a human, and this amount of blood in his hands when other sapiens is not new, not unheard of, and not unfamiliar to the human race. The herbivores were most often deeply affected by consistently consistent killing. Almost all of the ones remaining were carnivores or omnivores. Twenty rounds grant Simon an audience to be fully broadcast not just to the denizens of Earth, but on an open access channel that all vassal planets of Xandarth planets of local Sector 3 can view. It's hard to formulate interspecies relations when the main media you have for another species is them brutally tearing other sapiens, including yours, apart. Simon would soon be allowed to give a short, several-minute speech that would be seen and heard by more sapiens than any other speech given by a human. He was given a schooling by humans during his trip abroad in Maleficent under the pretext of an intellectual and endurance-based fighter is what humanity is all about. But the speech was still daunting. He was trained to fight and kill, not deliver a message through words, but with fists. The Zandarth were patient, brutal, cunning, and ruthless, but their science ground to a halt as they explored their understanding of the world to the limits of hundreds of millions of years of progress would allow for. It was surprising a breakthrough by a vassal species used for labor, an unremarkable, herbivorous prey species that sparked the controlled farm approach. Despite being nowhere near Xandarth technological levels, they made a breakthrough that allowed space travel to increase by a speed of 400%, simply due to a technological growth along a different pathway. Species would be allowed to develop normally up to a point where they could not seriously militarize space. Their unique evolutionary path, their unique mindset, and their thought process, their unique view of the world around them would allow them to better understand certain fields and applications of science that the Zandark would not. The Zandarth had long accepted their mythology had hit a wall regarding faster than light travel. But other species still had a chance. Early attempts at using mutagens or selecting for promising species merely led to specific molded by Zandark's thinking and biases and therefore the same pitfalls that limited the Zandarth scientific advancement. Thus, the slow and unreliable but ultimately unique evolution and growth of each species would take place over hundreds of millions of years without interference, until there was time to harvest a new vassal species. The vassal species would then be put to work, with a certain amount of excess being taken by Zandarth Empire as a levy on the total species output. Their scientific discoveries, constantly under review but without guidance, their very bodies could be collected and used as manual labor as deemed necessary or merely for entertainment. A couple neural spikes and some tinkering could create automatons on any sapient if necessary, but that was generally used for policing, incredibly efficient on breaking species morale, and so it was over 194 million species as a direct vassal for the Zandarth Empire. Humanity were mere children compared to some of the more elder vassal species. In space were only hundreds of years, while some species experienced hundreds of millions of years of Zandarth occupation and control. The Zandarth had been doing this farm process for over 900 million years. Neither they nor any species known had made solid breakthroughs towards FTL. It just seemed to be a constraints of the universe. Simon once more stepped into the arena. He didn't act all pumped up like these opposing human-sized cockroach did. 
He didn't play up the crowds for fanfare and the cheers as the cockroach clicked its impressive mandibles and flashed the iron lining up for fanfare. Despite his hulking figure from two decades of training, he didn't appear as threatening as a being in the top 150 should. No exoskeleton, no claws, no canines, can't shoot acid from his face, can't generate an electric current to shock opponents, not covered in barbed venomous quills, just squishy and unremarkably human. Pensive, Simon took up the half-spear allowed by regulations, approximately 8 kilograms of hardened inert iron. It was as separated the fights between sapiens from mere animal fights doing it to each other. Leveraging a small amount of iron fashioned into a shape that you wish with whatever intelligence and thinking that leaked around the rage serum is what allowed for truly impressive bouts. It also increased the brutality of killing involved much to the support of Zundarths everywhere. The announcer host introduces the combatants as his usually eerily happy voice. Today, we are in for a treat. The human Simon is going to fight with Wawa. That's it. First, as always during the 20th round, the contestants can say their piece and just say their potentially final words. Starting off with Tizet from the Wahawa, coming through the white gate and then the human can have his say. 1.4 meters long, 130 kilograms of hard carapace, 7 legs with the front two being specialized claws under a double segmented carapace. Its massive mandibles were used as a part of a natural colony defense of its brood mother. I have been informed that all of this regulation iron is lining those already impressive mandibles. The Wauhawa was separated into many different castes by birth. Only the brood mother, drones, and proto-brood mothers pass on genes. All other Wauhawa are asexual and most can't be considered truly sapient. To that, in front of you is the warrior caste, and you can see that in its last fight, just eviscerating these opponent Helak, that was a deadly mandibles. See how many legs grab a hold and allow. Come on, do any of you children know the answer? Questioned a kindly voice. Simon tentatively raised his hand, the only hand raised amongst the 37 children. Yes, Simon, dear. The golden rule is to do unto others what you would have them do unto you, replied Simon in a soft and unsure voice. That is correct, Simon. Well done. The golden rule is a simple philosophy, and yet it is present in many cultures and religions. I know this is a bit advanced for your age, but uh, I've been told you all are mature much faster, both physically and mentally. While you might train daily to increase your physical strength, it's important to maintain both mental and spiritual strength. You need to remember what it is to be human, no matter how hard and how often they train you otherwise that you are not just an animal capable of inflicting pain, that there is more to you, that, if needed, you can draw upon this inner strength. That is why we have these lessons, and I see some of you children are too tired from sparring and distracted to want to keep up with the lessons. But know this, the human spirit is stronger than your mere brawn and skill with your fists. Know where you come from, know where you come from, no, that humanity in general would come up with an idea like a golden rule and its variations despite distances of geology and time. Time and time again, this simple idea would permeate and help define society. It didn't matter that the skin color, the culture, the religion, being good to another and having empathy is what we are really about, even if some people miss that point. 
The children in the classroom didn't laugh or whisper amongst each other as children their age should. They didn't fidget or play. They were too disciplined and trained to behave as children. Some looked zoned out, others asleep and resting from the exertion of training. They knew what happened to children who didn't keep up, executed and injected from the airlock. The class size had been 48 after all. The lesson was a distraction and a welcome one for some, the unnecessary one for others. For Simon, it was another source of strength, as well as he could call upon to draw from the training as it grew ever harsher. The Wahara Desert said the usual attempt to improve its species standing, to speak itself up, to give thanks to this broodmother and the overall Xandar for opportunity. The translator in part was harsh and scratchy in its voice output. The Tizet spoke slowly and with simple words. It was clear that her thinking was not its forte. Tizet would flash a large mandible lined and extended his mildled iron and wicked barbs and sharp, jagged edges. All regulation iron was a mandibles, it seemed. A more jovial voice over immediately after. The announcer host Zandarth Kajol Mosh. And now we present the twentieth round, the human entering from the black gate. An impressive 129 kilograms is just under the middle heavyweight class limit of 133 kilograms and 2.1 meters tall with an impressive reach in those long legs and arm appendages. Don't be fooled by the lack of natural armor or scales or claws or sharp teeth, specializing in grappling and a little striking. The human is capable of explosive and surprising speeds and endurance beyond many other competitors. Many a time while on the back foot initially, the human has pulled through and won in the bout after the opponent tied out. I've been informed the regulation iron is shaped into a short spear, a classic human killing tool, utilized extremely well as a long claw. Watch for the human to use his superior reach and dexterity in the arms and hands with the spear. Before going to grapple, and here we have a highlight of the last week's fight, just to highlight how deadly humans can be both at range and up close and personal. Watch how the arm was ripped off by sheer force of will, and how the force behind the legs allowed to kick to. The announcer host was drowned down to the background noise as Simon formulated his words carefully. A message that all of humanity would hear. Other vassal species would listen to, revealing anything technological or science-wise would probably just result in him getting executed, and the cockroach would get the easy victory and buy for the round. A message to other vassal species was pointless. Communication between vassal species had a very clear punishment of absolute genocide for both. Xandar was very adamant in controlling science and technological development amongst its vassal species. Contaminating another species' scientific growth was met with a harsh retribution. Everything else, though. And look at how he continues to stomp on the Gorgrak over and over and over and over and over and over. Anyways, to celebrate 20 rounds of victories, a short message from the contestant himself. A, um, sea moan from the humans. Hello, dears, for another lesson. There are so few of you left. Again, Mrs. Fellaini, kindly old voice, captured the attention of the small class. She continued to wear her old habit out of habit. Today, we will cover the idea of charity and volunteer work. As you well know, this is one-way trip for me. All of us, really. But I volunteered. And 
I have no regrets, for I knew you children, now young adults would need guidance, and when given the opportunity, not only me, but several others were glad to jump at the chance to help support you. Now, what exactly is charity, which you should all know if you read the chapter 37, all five hands shut up, one for each teenager present. Looking over the selection of eager students, Hmm, this time, Simon dear, can you please tell me, said Mrs. Bellaney. It is a voluntary giving of help from one person to another or organization, replied Simon. Textbook correct, replied Mrs. Bellaney with a smile. I like to believe that altruism is a core tenet of humanity and what it means to be human. It isn't enough just to live for yourself, but also for others, for a greater purpose, as I have done. For you, you have had the choice taken away from you, but you can still make it yours. Take it. Own it. It is yours. You have all struggled to survive this far. You have all the right to claim it. The Zandarths aren't using you for their entertainment. No, you are representing humanity instead. The Zandarths aren't condemning you to death by the hand of another sapient. No, you are fighting for yourself instead for a brighter future and a greater cause. Take it, because it is a nobler death and a brighter victory. You don't win for our Governor Kajol Grant. You win for yourself. You win for humans. Remember this, if you learn anything from my lessons, please learn this. You are ultimately in control. You can be the one who gives your life rather than the one where it is taken from you. The unusual seriousness of the lesson had put all the students on edge. Simon asked, Is everything all right, Mrs. Fellaini? Returning to her usual calm demeanor and a sing-song voice, Mrs. Fellaini took a deep breath and calmed to collect herself. Everything is all right. It's just that I've been informed that my services will no longer be needed. You five students have all passed the training and my educational input is not needed. My lessons have continued far longer than anticipated due to the positive feedback from you all. My dears, those who engaged and learned to draw upon the human spirit and knowledge of what makes you, you form a deeper well than mere desperation and emotional imbalance. Those potential contestants in training fared the conditioning and preparation far better than those who rejected these lessons. But now, even these lessons are no more, and I must bid you farewell. I'll miss you all dearly. Oh, and the top candidate has been selected. Yet Simon, the rest of you are potential reserves in case that Simon is executed or unable to compete. I wish you all the very best of luck, and may God have mercy on your souls." A mere cycle later, Mrs. Fellaini was found hanging in her private quarters, still wearing her nun habit. A single page was left behind. I am sorry, children, the ones who didn't make it, the ones that did. There is nothing more I can do. My work here is done. I am sorry I couldn't save more. I am sorry that I couldn't do more. Simon took a deep breath and released it. He wasn't nervous for any of the fights, but his speech racked his nerves. He had trained to fight and kill, and none of his speeches, but he had to make Mrs. Fellaini proud. Somehow, Hello, my name is Simon, began Simon tentatively, unsure of himself. Um, I am aware that many fellow humans are watching, many are cheering me on, many are glad that my victories will bring wealth and success to earth, many will show their children my fights and say I'm a hero, 
but I am here to say that you can be better. You can achieve better. Let this... Motioning to the spear and his body, the battle-hardened muscles rippled in response. Finding his speed and falling into a cadence that he didn't know he had, he let his feelings flow. It is not the ideal we should strive for. We are not this bloodthirsty animals. We are not just pawns for the zandars of the lowly games. We can do better than this. We will do better than this. We can make art. We can make music. We can make our own scientific discoveries for the benefit of humanity. We can strive for true greatness, true accomplishments, and not just create a larger and larger pile of corpses to simply become a corpse upon ourselves. Do not venerate me for my accomplishments in the ring. Merely please accept that I try to be better. I read during my first rest periods because I want to be more than just a monster, to make certain teacher I had proud. More than just an animal pointed at another bee and being commanded to kill. I can aspire to be better, but more importantly, I will be better. Pick a skill and acquire it. Pick a goal and achieve it. Pick a challenge and overcome it. For there is nothing that you can't overcome if the challenge is too great. There is nothing that we can't overcome together. If you stumble and fall, you know that your fellow brothers and sisters will pick you up and that you can pick yourself off the ground if need be, dust off, and carry on. I know I've fallen more times than I can count, and what sets me apart from the millions of others who've died in this freaking freak show of a circus is that I got back up. I got back up and I continued on. That the setbacks and mistakes better you as you learn from them and grow from them. The Zandals may have had a head start and the advantage of resources, but as a species, they have grown old, lazy, and complacent, happy to grow fat suckling off the teat from the work of others. They are flawed because of their strength. They haven't made an improvement in the sciences for millions of years, only gaining through the work of others. They haven't had to struggle like us. They haven't had to fight every day for their life like us. They don't grow as hard as we do, for the life of a vassal species is not easy as the life of a Xandarth. Better yourselves, then go beyond even that. Reach for a brighter future and a better you. We might be oppressed now, but in time the cracks and flaws in the Xandarth Empire will show, and we will be there to break it open. I believe what it means to be human is, uh, is to endure. Where others drop, where others fall and don't get back up, we endure. The crowd was mostly silent. Many who had bet their credits on humanity's victory were debating in the likelihood of the victory based on the speech alone. But Simon wouldn't be the first nor last to talk about open rebellion against the Xandarth Empire. Well, that was something. Good to see the fire in a vassal species. The ever-jovial announcer host Kajal Mosh stepped to fill the burgeoning awkward mutters and uncertain crowd possessed. Let us begin the preparations for the fight. Contestants, final preparations, you have 40 clicks to prepare yourselves for battle. Not smart, kid, putting us into an insolent level 3 slot like that. Any public figure talking of open rebellion against the Xandarth Empire will bump up the insolence level by themselves. And what do you do with your 15 minutes of fame? What even prompted that crap? The coach, Zin, had pulled Simon aside to begin preliminary battle prep. It had to be done for all of humanity. 
was the only terse reply from Simon. Oh man, this is Fellaini's bullcrap again. You need to focus before the match. During the match and only after do you get to be distracted. This speech nonsense is gonna get you killed, you know. This throwing your headspace is all out of whack. That motherfucking cockroach out there spent five minutes talking himself up, getting himself into the right headspace. Sure, he sounded a bit disabled and slow in the head, but whatever works. Meanwhile, you lost track dreaming about some ideological nonsense that doesn't even truly concern you. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm glad that I'm not the only one who saw a giant talking cockroach out there, grunted Simon as the cocktail of drugs that made him keep his rage serum filling him. Also, enough serum. This fight is different from the last. I can't beat him through the exoskeleton with strength alone. I need to be more lucid for this. I can't let those mandibles get me, unlike that fat lizard from the last match. I can't grapple this cockroach as easily. This can't be a test of strength. It's risky without the serum, agreed Coach Zinn, and I guess I agree. This one you actually do need to use your brain a bit more than just brawn. Stay light on your feet, and don't let the swarm you, and it can't use all 14 of its legs when you hit the ground. Try to hit it from the side or the back. The front is an absolute no-go zone. I viewed some of those last night's fights, and those mandibles are basically a blender that turns anything in front of them into gore. Remember, that cockroach is going to be pumped full of serum and compound eyes lower the likelihood of blind spots. It's going to be faster than you, stronger than you, due to the serum. But you'll last longer, and you can think on your feet much better. You'll be at a severe disadvantage without the ferocity and tenacity the serum gives you. Every encounter will side heavily with the roach unless you can make it otherwise via positioning and leverage. Well, I disagree with the timing of your speech. It does seem to have fired you up more and have you thinking. Good luck out there, bud, said the coach as he touched the forehead to Simon's head. There is no luck, just opportunity taken and opportunity lost, coach, replied Simon, completing the pre-fight ritual, saying. Simon stepped out into the arena. The large orb that floated in the middle was just a dull yellow. When it turned bright blue, the flight would begin in earnest until one contender remained. With the arrival of his opponent on the other side of the arena floor proper, the light changed to a dull orange. The video drones took to the air and began moving into position to capture the best possible angles and video. The noise from the crowds was a slow, constant murmur. It hadn't truly begun yet, and the rubbish the announcer host was saying was ignored by Simon. The crowd was deep in hundreds of discussion about how one species would win and the other won't. The only true thing to focus on in the arena was his opponent. A 1.4 meter long cockroach that stood about 40 centimeters off the ground. It was a hard matchup. Simon, often enough, could get a peeing into a grapple and end about through systematically destroying the joints and tendons and the ability of the opponent to fight back completely, neutralizing after a single grapple. Humans, in general, were of about par for strength, slower, in general, but had incredible intelligence and endurance. From an evolutionary standpoint alone, human heads couldn't get any bigger without imposing a costlier and costlier toll in childbirth deaths, and the endurance of humans is second to none with multiple natural faculties facilitating going the distance from sweat cooling the body to muscles that can endure to use. The cockroach facing Simon could be barely sapient, a dumb brute. 
The brood mothers do the thinking, and the underlings and the brood swarm merely carry out her will, and a dumb animal is an easy opponent to bait and goad. Only issue is the rage serum. The cockroach would be dosed extremely highly, almost entirely blind to pain and able to push far harder than its musculature would normally allow. The orb switched to a light purple, the drones were in position, and the contestants were in position. Simon, of the humans, was in one corner, Tizet, of the Wahra, were in the other. A force field held the contestants in place before the bout. The feed was good and the broadcast solid. Only seconds now from it became bright blue and the fight would begin. A hush descended over the arena and time crawls to a standstill. Bright blue. The roar from the crowd reverberates in the thin air and around Simon, but the distraction doesn't take his eyes off the prize of Tizet trumpets a war cry as it activates the rage serum flowing through it, fully unhinged and lost in the psychotic haze of the serum, scuttling at speed. It rushes at Simon in a blind fury. The many legs underneath the two segmented cockroaches like body blur and kick up dust, the many lights bathing the field glinting constantly off the deadly-looking mandibles held to the front of the charging creature. The arena field is flat, dusty, and dirty surface, so Simon takes the only way out and away from those incoming mandibles. Up. Taking a few steps to build up speed, he leapt up and over the raging Wara, swallowed thrusting downwards with his spear. The awkward position still manages to deal damage by taking advantage of the speed and inertia of the charging Wahra. The spear digging into the earth becoming an immovable blade for Tazet's hind legs to crash into, shearing two off and damaging others. The spear was caught in the arena floor, but Simon sailed past and immediately moved into a sprint. A slight movement in Simon's peripheral vision allowed him to duck by instinct as a lunge propelled the Wahra over Simon. The serum allowed the Wahara to recover incredibly fast from what should have been a crippling wound. While the duck allowed him to avoid a more lethal mandibles, the many legs of the Tezret raked across Simon's each leg, ending in a sharp chitinous point. A quick elbow unbalanced and threw the Wahara further, and many superficial cuts were covering Simon's right shoulder. The spear. He needed the spear. A quick glance at the arena gave Simon his next destination, but the Wahara recovered its bearings quickly and gave chase. Running past, Simon yanked the spear out of the ground and skidded to a halt where the Wahara bore down on him. A feint to the right followed by the side step to the left let him get a solid thrust into the Wahara, a solid thrust that bounced straight off his black carapace. Another four feints and infective stabs, and finally the barely sapient Wahra caught on and didn't commit fully to one of its charges. Before Simon could fully recover his stance, the Wahra was on him, the many legs giving in a much better maneuverability and traction on the dusty arena floor. Can't hit the ground, thought Simon as he pressed the spear center mass into the insectoid, rewarded by the feeling of the spear digging into the opponent. It slipped between the plates of the hard exoskeleton. But Tazette was relentless, and the poor footing from Simon meant that he lacked the leverage to truly push the Wahra. Instead, Simon slipped back as Tezet allowed the spear to dig deeper. Simon's back was on the ground, the spear butt braced against the ground, and the Wahra bearing down above. The spear dug deeper into Tezet, putting Simon's face within mandible range. With nothing left, 
Simon could only brace the spear with his right hand and arm while he forced his left into the maw of the wahara on top of him. The mandibles immediately bit into Simon between the shoulder and the elbow, tearing through the skin and muscles easily. The secondary jaws within the mandibles instinctively began to eat Simon's left hand while still attached to Simon. With a deep vibrating buzz of delight and victory, the iron-clad mandibles hit bone and crushed through, tearing off the left arm completely. Simon roared in pain. What could he be shrugged off with a larger dose of serum was putting him dangerously close to shock. Only an immense amount of therapy conditioning of his body to pain tolerance and the small amount of range serum coursing through his blood allowed him to cling to consciousness as his left stump of his arm burned, exposed nerves still firing their anguish. Simon twisted the spear. The specialized barbed head now lacerated the insides of the wahara, Holding tight to the spear with his right hand, Simon roared, bringing his feet up under the wahara and kicking up as many legs as he attempted to hold onto him with his mandibles, going for a killing blow. Each sharp spike of the leg of the wahara was ripping through the various points on Simon's body, thighs and legs, but Simon used his leverage against the ground and Tizette couldn't brace against anything. The spear gave a good as Simon got and the spearhead was caught in a piece of the exoskeleton on the underside of the wahara. It yanked the plate off along with various unknown organs. With a final lunge forward, the wicked jaws clicked right along Simon's face, but not deep enough to land a killing blow. Forcing back along the rest of the body, it still managed to slice through Simon's cheek and nose. Tizette fell back with a piece of Simon on the end of his mandibles as a bloody prize for the encounter. There was a pause in the fight now. Simon couldn't remain standing much longer without the various stimulants in higher dose of the rage serum. The damage sustained and the blood loss would drop him shortly. The face would also make breathing difficult. Tizette also couldn't continue much longer. With many of its legs missing and every movement resulting in various internals falling out of the gaping hole in its body to become externals, its time was limited even with a higher dose of the rage serum. For Simon, it was a problem to be solved. For Tizit, still filled with a brim with rage serum, it was a distraction to ignore. With a gurgling trumpet, it charged at Simon once again and with an uneven limping gait of its missing legs. Simon tried to dodge the charge with a faint and left step, but one of the tendons on his left leg must have been cut from the kick before and he collapsed to the left as side as he attempted to make a feint towards Landing on his stump, he roared out in pain, a shock dazing him slightly. Of course, a glutteral roar was released, mostly from pain, that is he aimed a final thrust of the spear with his right good hand. It was a lucky strike, straight through the compound eyes and into the primary neural cluster behind it, the inertia still allowing the wahara to barrel onwards despite the spasming of its death throes. Mandibles dug straight into Simon's body, piercing a lung and gut and everything went still in the arena, except for the occasional twitch and spasm from the wahara. The crowds were on their feet and cheering while the judges deliberated. Contestants, it looks extremely close for this fight. Signal that you are still alive in whatever way you can. Make it clear, deliberate and concise in effort. The announcer host proclaimed in both strangely happy English for Simon and a deeper buzz clicks and brassy trumpet that made the warrior speech for Tizette. The work of the translator, of course. 
Simon could hear the proclamation, but the wound on his cheek filled his mouth with blood, and the mandible in his chest was filling his left lung, now collapsed with blood. He was slipping in and out of consciousness, and unable to even cry out. The blood pounding in his head was the only other sound, an indistinct roar of the crowd sounding as a distinct static. Each twitch and spasm from the dead Wahara simply tore Simon's innards further apart, the jagged metal edge of the mandibles doing damage no matter which direction they moved. Any signal at all, contestants, a draw will be declared momentarily. Releasing the spear, Simon's right hand flopped down and lay in the arena floor. Clear of the carnage, the movement didn't satisfy the judges, however, and the spectators continued to observe for a winner to emerge or for a draw to be declared. As Simon's vision swam and began to fade, he clenched his right fist, making a sure to leave the middle finger extended. The judges were quickly informed of the human gesture, and while not approving, a winner is a winner. By unanimous decision, the judges have decided the humans to be the victors of the 20th round fight, announced the announcer host and renewed thunderous cheering crowd. The humans had won the 20th round and moved on to the 21st. Seven rounds remaining. Simon wasn't conscious as a swarm of drones quickly and immediately began saving his life. Zandarth medical technology, even for alien species, was impressive and short of complete brain death. For certain species, even brain death can be saved and resurrected from. Simon would be saved. He would be repaired, rebuilt as necessary, only to enter the fray once more. Analysis Update status, species, human, status, fledgling, tribute type, basic, levy of 30% of species production, insolence level increased to 3 from 1, standard levy increased by 5% per level to 15% from 5%, victorious in 20th round of annual interspecies gladiatorial championship, standard levy decreased by 24%, overall levy decreased depending on further round results. Esoteric approach to science advancement has been revised from Tier 5 to Tier 3, with latest advancements. Levy decrease of 12%, extremely high rate of advancement. Miscellaneous punishment rewards. Levy increase of 3.4% for overall punishment. Overall tribute. Levy of 12.4% of species production. Potential level alpha from potential level delta. Six standard deviations above mean up from three standard deviations above mean. New analysis pending. New analysis pending. Analysis results. Send Governor Kajal Grant Padath Sain, Governor of the Supreme Overseer, Zandarth of Humans. Give species humans of System 318843 Yellow room to grow. Grant expansion of a fourth colony. Reduce levy by 25% to encourage growth. Explain the rewards as a part of the contestants' excellent results in the annual Interspecies Gladiatorial Championships. Increase observation of species-wide insolence level. Punish as needed. Punish with due diligence. Possible, make an example of Earth of what happens to insolence. Overall status, alpha potential. Four colony allowance, levy amount minus 12.6%. Send tribute from vassal species, underperforming to high potential fledgling species deemed human. Analysis by Slave Mind AI. Keghig, Xylo, Xylo, Xylo. Pending review. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of the video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you wish to support the author, check the links down below for the original link. 
But if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways listed down below. But the easiest would be to share this with as many people as possible to help the channel grow. And I will see you all in the next video. And until then, I hope you all have a good one. Cheers.